You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. The Reverend George Randall Scott works at Bethel Temple and Assemblies of God Church in Texas. Now, what does – in a small town in Texas – what does a preacher at a conservative Christian church in a small town in Texas have to do to lead a Savage Love cast? To get a mention at the top of the show, I'll give you all a minute to get out your pens and papers and figure it out for you. Oh, maybe do the math. He was going online, this dude, posing as a 16-year-old boy – making sex dates as a 16-year-old boy with men. Then when he would show up and not be a 16-year-old boy but a 51-year-old preacher, he would tell the men that he was going to call the cops and turn them in unless they let him blow them. So he coerced these men into accepting really, I would think, aversion therapy blowjobs from an old preacher when they thought they were going to get some young gay tale. I went online. I looked up the Assemblies of God's position on homosexuality. The Assemblies of God believe strongly that God has declared great displeasure and opposition toward homosexual conduct. At every turn, the Assemblies of God refutes the practice, the acceptance, and the promotion of homosexuality. And some people ask – this is from the church's website. Apparently some people have asked, why can't Christians live and let live, leaving homosexuals alone? At one time, Christians were silent concerning the evil practice of homosexuals. History shows homosexuality has been around since early times, and as long as it was not openly flaunted, homosexuals were seldom challenged, except, of course, for all those burnings at the stake, imprisonments, forced lobotomies, losing your job, losing your apartment, losing your home, except for all that shit, we were content to leave you people alone. So long as you were discreet, that's basically what they were arguing. So really, the Assemblies of God supports the kind of homosexuality practiced by their own Reverend Scott. He wasn't pushing a pro-homosexual agenda. He wasn't flaunting it. He employed blackmail, in fact, to ensure discretion. And that Reverend Scott publicly embraced an anti-homosexual agenda while quietly providing oral service to gay men, perhaps also closeted like him, doesn't make him a hypocrite. It kind of makes him a hero. Just think, if Reverend Scott hadn't offered himself up Christ-like, to sate the evil homosexual desires of these men, they would have continued to trawl the internet until they succeeded in seducing actual teenage boys into the dreaded homosexual lifestyle. Instead, the Reverend Scott intervened, sucked the poison out of them as if it were a snake bite. It probably saved a life or two. God bless you, Reverend Scott. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage today for details. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Smitten Kitten, offering an amazing selection of products for your sex life. Enter savage at smittenkittenonline.com for 20% off your purchase. Um, hi, Dan. Uh, I'm a 21-year-old straight female in a two-year-long monogamous relationship and I really need your help um I've been with my boyfriend for two years and we've been living together for a year and 
we we started out as friends with benefits and ended up really hitting it off and things worked out really well and our relationship has been really good. But he has never been in a monogamous relationship this long before. Um, he was in other relationships where the relationship opened up early on, had a bunch of relationships where it came up. He wanted that, he wanted an open relationship and their relationships just ended. And just recently, um, it came up and was a bit of an issue and we said we wouldn't talk about it. it came up again and again and I I'm ready to let him have an open relationship. But he's starting to question now if the sex we're having is even any good anymore because he can't remember if it's gotten worse since the beginning, since he's been having sex with the same person for two years now, and that's not what he was used to before. And it's become really, really hard for me to get him off, so much so that, like, we get into fights over it, and I just, I really don't know what to do. I'm afraid that if being with somebody for this long has caused it to be so hard for him to get off, that what is the future of our relationship? And if I let, if we open up the relationship and he ends up having sex with other people and realizes that, you know, it's just they can get him off better than I can because either they're new to him or because I'm just, I just can't do it anymore. I'm just so afraid of losing him that I don't know what to do. So what would you suggest for someone who is willing to basically open up a relationship just to keep their partner happy? but is worried that that could end the relationship. Lose him. Please lose him. Everyone knows where I come down on the whole poly and monogamous thing and open relationships and closed relationships. I'm not the enemy of monogamy or monogamous people. You clearly are more emotionally comfortable in a monogamous relationship. And at the outset, this guy told you that he'd never been in one and it sounds like he'd ended or destroyed other relationships in the past because they weren't open or because he wanted them open and he sacrificed them on that altar. So basically you've made this two-year – I don't want to say huge because you sound young. Two years when you're young seems like an eternity uh, – you made a two-year not huge emotional investment in someone that you're not compatible with on a basic fundamental level. And now it's come to this. You're at this crossroads. And here's what – because of your emotional investment and your closeness to all this that I think perhaps you can't see. This guy really isn't interested in an open relationship with you. He's interested in using openness and sexual boredom as a stick to beat you with, that I detect a certain degree of emotional sadism uh, going on here with him insisting that you can't get him off and denigrating not just the sex you're having now, but the sex you've had from the start, really calling into question all the sex that you've had in the time that you've been together. That points to a level of cruelty and emotional, again, sadism that disqualifies this person from being your partner 
or really anyone else's over the long term. He's not interested in an open relationship. He's interested in making you miserable. And from the sound of your voice, it sounds like he's succeeded. If you agree to an open relationship because you're afraid of losing him, I guarantee that you're going to lose him. Not because of openness. There are plenty of people who open their relationships and keep their partners. You're going to lose him because in the long run, he's not really interested in an open relationship. He's interested in shredding you emotionally and hurting you and then leaving and convincing you along the way that it's all your fault because you wanted to be monogamous, because you weren't any good in bed, because, because, because. Dump this motherfucker right now. I guarantee you'll feel better. And there are other guys out there that you can be in relationship with, other guys who want to be monogamous for the same reasons that you want to be monogamous, guys who are closer to you on the same page when it comes to sex and commitment and what it means and would prefer to have a closed relationship. Or perhaps you will meet a guy who wants an open relationship for the right reasons and an open relationship with that kind of guy will seem less frightening and fraught because, again, he'll want it for the right reasons. He'll want it for you as much as he wants it for himself or you'll want it for you as much as you want it for him and yourself and your relationship should that come to pass. I'm not saying that that will or has to. I just want you to understand that there are other guys out there, better guys, decent guys, guys who aren't emotionally sadistic. Some of them want closed relationships. Some of them want open relationships. They are not the guy you're with now. You need to get the fuck away from that bastard. Hi, Dan. It's, um, I'm a 24-year-old from Wisconsin. I have a question. Um, I've recently um, been hanging out with this guy. I really, I really like him. Um, and he, uh, we've been fooling around a little bit. But every time we try to fool around, um, he, like, he'll start to finger me, and it doesn't, nothing happens. Um, for me, like he, I kind of have a hit like a plateau, and I can't get past that. And um, it's happened once before, and I'm, I'm not really sure what's going on. But I, I, I feel aroused, but I don't, I can't seem to get past this plateau. And I don't think it's him. I know it's not him. Maybe I don't know. And um, I, I mean, I don't want. I feel bad because I feel like it's making him upset, and it makes me upset. And I don't really know how to process. Um, so if I could get your feedback on it, that would be great. Tried to call. Called and called and called your cell phone, but you didn't pick up. So flying blind here. The follow-up question I had for you, a couple actually obvious ones. When other guys have thus fingered you, has it gotten you off? When you finger thyself, does it get thine own self off? Or is this something that – an unfamiliar sensation. You haven't been fingered that often. It's not your favorite fucking thing. For some reason, it's just not something you respond to, not something that gets you past that plateau. Without answers to those questions, it makes your your original question a little hard to answer. What can you do to get past that point? Well, maybe there's something else he could be doing at the same time. Maybe you could be doing something else entirely because this just doesn't do it for you. You know, not all people are alike or like the same things. Not all twats respond to the same kinds of stimulation. He may have fingered 4,000 other girls just that way and it shattered them. But it doesn't work for you. Him getting butthurt about it and sulking and creating a negative feedback loop where now you feel pressured lest he pout because this doesn't work for you. 
You've probably contemplated faking it to stop him from making those, what, my finger doesn't get you off eyes. What you need to do is something else, something that works. Touch yourself in front of him. If you can do this to yourself and get you off, then he may be doing it wrong. And a little observational lab time might help. Make him watch you do it to yourself. If this is something that's never worked for you, just fucking tell him that and say, you want to get me off? This is nice foreplay, but this ain't going to get me there and we need to move on. And just be assertive about the way your pussy works versus the way he wishes it worked. This doesn't work. Enjoy it for what it is. It obviously gets you somewhere, gets you to this place where you plateau out. But if he's interested in getting you past that place, he needs to bring it. Bring something else. Bring the dick. Bring the face. Bring the tongue. Bring the vibrator. Bring the sex toy. Bring something else. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook to consider is Packing for Mars, The Curious Science of Life in the Void by Mary Roach, the author of Bonk, which is a hilarious book about human sexuality, and I expect Packing for Mars will be equally as hilarious. For your free audiobook, a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. That's audiblepodcast.com slash savage. My name's John, and I'm in New Orleans. And uh, so last night, we go to this uh, strip club, right? Long story, but we end up getting there. And uh, we are enjoying ourselves, and one of the strippers comes up to us. And she's a very attractive, uh, very personable young lady. And we strike up a conversation, and she's talking to us for a really long time. Now, this is a pretty, I guess, high-end strip club. So I guess this might have, if that bears on anything, it's not a hole in the wall. And, uh, but we're talking for a, a while, and then she gets called up to dance. And so we go and watch her dance, and then we come back and sit down at the bar where we were, and then she comes back and sits down at the bar where we are, and talks to us for a long, long time more. She tells us her real name, and then we buy her a drink and we leave. Now, were we getting hustled? At no point in the time did, uh, uh, you know, she ask us to, you know, buy a dance, do anything. And uh, me and my buddy are of, of two minds about this. He says we were getting hustled. I say we weren't. First... Strippers are human beings. Second, they are human beings employed in the service industry. They are service industry professionals. As with your barista, your waiter, your bartender, sometimes, you know, to get those tips, they will perhaps treat you with more affection and be more solicitous and hope to create a false sense of intimacy to open your wallet. Perhaps that's the angle that this stripper was working. Perhaps she is – she does this, you know, pretends to tell clients her real name or potential clients her real name, sits with them and employs a sort of soft sell, hard sell where she doesn't press you to buy a lap dance or tip her in the hopes that you'll come through with some dough. Or it seems just as likely that she's a fucking human being and felt some sort of 
if not erotic connection, at least some sort of spark of friendship or you know mutual recognition of your shared humanity. And so relaxed with you guys because you didn't seem like creeps and you seemed like human beings. And so she just let down her guard a little and opened up a little. I can't tell you what actually happened unless I could see the videotape and the transcript of her internal monologue as it all happened. It really doesn't sound like you got hustled. If she invested all this time in you, uh, chatting with you guys, telling you her real name, sitting with you, having a drink with you, just in the hopes that there would be a payoff, she would have at some point asked if you wanted a private lap dance, go to the private room, buy her a bottle of something, tip her. That she didn't, I think, we can chalk this up perhaps to a real human contact with someone who is a real human who takes off her real clothes at her real job but uh, still has a heart and a mind and uh, a desire to connect with people, even sometimes potential clients. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by the Smitten Kitten. Smitten Kitten has an amazing selection of products for your sex life. Whether you're single or partnered, their non-toxic, body-safe toys are the best quality products available. Shop their easy-to-navigate, secure website at smittenkittenonline.com or visit one of their stores in Minneapolis or Denver. Take 20% off any order online or in-store with the code SAVAGE. Smitten Kitten, sex toys for everyday people. Hey, Dan. I currently am in sort of a pickle, and I don't really know how to handle the situation. Over four years ago, um, when I was 21, I was raped by my boyfriend um, shortly after having an abortion. Um, I was living abroad at the time, and, you know, I managed to make it home, and everything kind of went to hell. Um, I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and I hadn't really dealt with um, what actually happened to me and the trauma I experienced there. It was about two years after that that I met someone that I really liked, and um, it was during that time when I was seeing him that I really realized I had to go to therapy and, you know, take care of this and deal with what had happened to me. Um, Our relationship ended, you know, well, clearly I couldn't have sex with him because I was having massive panic attacks, but... He decided to move up to Seattle and, you know, we always continued talking to each other and I have since moved to the East Coast and, you know, started grad school. But over the last two years, during all this therapy and everything else, I haven't been able to completely get him out of my head. I feel like I'm in a really good place right now and ready to have sex. And a couple of months ago, him and I talked about it and we arranged you know, um, for me to come visit him, which is tomorrow I'm supposed to go. But yesterday he, <laughs> he told me, and he's, he's told me that he met someone in the last week that he really likes and um, really feels serious about. And I'm okay with that. I, I was completely aware that, you know, the possibility of each of us, like, meeting people in between this time. But he asked me that if it was okay, you know, while I was up there, presumably to have sex with him, be with him, fit on one night in particular, if it was okay if I slept on the couch while she spent the night with him. This made me feel incredibly sort of insulted, and um, I really <laughs> didn't know what to say or do. Um, 
in response to that, I told him it made me feel really crappy that I was coming all this way to share this time with him. And now it's kind of blown up into like a giant fight where I probably shouldn't be going to Seattle tomorrow at all. He's made it clear that nothing sexual can happen between us, which is fine. But I wish that maybe he had told me that before he had mentioned that I sleep on the couch while he has sex with someone else in his room when the rest of the week he was going to be sleeping with me. I don't know what to do. I feel really broken hearted and upset about it. So yeah, basically I feel like an idiot. I hope I'm catching you at home. I'm at home. So you didn't go? Yes, I, I would be on my way there right now. I'm glad, I'm so glad that you didn't go. <laughs> I was worried, I listened to your call, and I thought we're not going to catch her until she's on the plane, or in Seattle, and on the couch. <laughs> okay, well tell me about the Midwest, because I live on the West Coast, I grew up in the Midwest, and I do remember when I grew up, growing up in the Midwest, that there were men there too. <laughs> and that all the men hadn't been herded into, you know internment camps in Seattle and Portland, Oregon, that there were actually men in other parts of the country that you could fuck. I just started dating again, like, the last couple months. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of interesting for me because I really haven't dated since I was, like, 21. Right. And, and you I know, I don't, mean to, I don't mean to discount, and, and I'm certainly not uh, minimizing the trauma and good for you for going and get therapy, but you need to recognize this guy for what he was. He was a symbol of a healthy sexuality, perhaps, that would come your way down the road. He was a talisman, and you inflated him into a, really an idea. He was a concept, an abstraction. Yeah. For when you were healthy, you might be able to have a sexual relationship with a guy like this guy, and it helped you focus on becoming healthier sexually and healing because, you know, there was somebody standing there at the finish line. You convinced yourself. Right, and I, you know, I realized that that wasn't, you know, the last couple hours, that wasn't okay for me to do that. That was totally but, fine. No, no, no. That was a really good sort of psych yourself out strategy. But you just need to now be smart about the fact that what he symbolized, all men potentially symbolize, <laughs> that it wasn't about him. It was about you. You've arrived at a healthier place. You're ready for sexual activity or intimacy. And so now you need to recast that role that guy at the finish line, because it's not him. And I think when I made the plans to go there several months ago, and him and I had talked about it, and, you know, uh, about what wanted, what we wanted to have happen there, and that I wanted to do this, I hadn't been sexual with anyone else. And when you talked about it, did you say, we are going to fuck? And he said, yes, we are going to fuck. Yes. And which probably wasn't the best thing to start out with it, um, to make the assumption of having a visit where we were definitely going to have sex. I think that's a fine uh, assumption. Uh, I've had lots of visits that began with that assumption. Okay. The problem, you know, the problem is life intervened. He obviously met somebody that he wants to pursue something with, and it's not possible for him to be sexual with you anymore because he's pursuing this other person. So your FW friend, friends with benefits sexual healing visit that he had committed to things changed and he had to rescind his commitment. I don't want to make it out like he's some towering asshole because obviously he's doing, you know, I could be getting a call from this other girl saying, 
I met this guy. He wants to date me. He's really serious about me. But he's having this girl come to stay with him for a week, and he tells me he owes it to her to fuck her because he promised her six months ago or a year ago that he'd fuck her once she came to visit. And now he won't cancel those plans because he – and then, you know, I'd be, he'd be a douchebag for going through with it with you. The problem is, is I think if he had come to me, because even a couple days before, he told me, he's like, I met this girl and I really like her. And I said, you know, is it okay that I'm coming to Seattle? Do, can, can, do you want me to come there as your friend? And he said, no, I'm not at the point with her where that needs to happen. I still really want you to come. And then, you know, he throws this out there that, you know, while I'm here and he's sleeping with me, if that one night he can shove me on the couch while he fucks her while I'm in the other room. Yeah, and, and you, you don't... utterly, like, crap. Yeah, well, yeah, and you don't need that. He handled the exit here badly. He didn't let you down easy. He, you know, was probably in the position of wanting to please everybody. Okay, you can still come, but we can't fuck, and I'll tell my girlfriend that this night that she was planning, we, we can still do it. Like, he was just trying to keep everybody happy and probably ended up making everybody miserable entirely honest with because there's another girl there's other girls that he's sleeping with there (laughs) all right all right i take it all back he's a douchebag and an asshole and you're well (laughs) right you know he he hasn't he hasn't been honest like he told you know this other girl that he's sleeping with that i'm coming and i've dated before and she was completely unaware of it and it's like you know a couple days before i come and he's known this for months you dodged a bullet He's an asshole and a douchebag. Fuck somebody else. And I'm really glad that I did not go to Seattle and actually be confronted with the couch situation right then. Because he was saying, you know, I, I don't want you to touch me in public. Someone might see it. And I'm like, what, what is this? I'm like the other woman like that you're hiding? I'm, ew. <laughs> well, now I think you should come to Seattle and follow him around and just run up to him on street corners and touch him. And then run <laughs> off. You, you, fuck, you can stay at my house if that's what you can do. Just like stalk him. When you see him out, run up like this really crazy game and tag because he deserves it. There's lots of nice boys in the Midwest. Vet a few. Don't just jump into bed with one because there's lots of not nice boys in the Midwest. Vet a few. Fuck one of them. <laughs> it sounded like the safest bet for me to at the time to reinitiate myself being sexual. He did. It's, it's, it's hard. I, you know, I feel awkward and I don't know how to explain. Well, you know what? Tell the truth. And the guys who you scare away are the guys that you should not have sex with because cause you're going to need a little extra special handling yeah. and consideration. And so any guy who looks at you and says, I want to fuck her, but I don't want to have to be nice to her or considerate, is no one you should want to fuck. And I mean, I, I've had issues where I've told guys this and they have a hard time keeping an erection because they're, they're scared they're going to hurt me or they're, you know. Uh, well, uh, a last bit of advice for the trauma victim, right? <laughs> or, you know, the trauma victim generally, trauma victims generally. If you're worried that disclosing first is going to result in such special handling that the sex is lame or lousy or the guy is really self-conscious and you know that you're secure enough to bang the shit out of somebody a few times without them stomping on some landmine that they didn't know was there because they didn't have all the info going in, fuck them a few times. And prove that you're there and you're healthy and you're ready for sex, and then tell him. Because then he will have evidence that he doesn't have to be too self-conscious, that, you can, you know, that you're actually ready for sexual activity, that okay. you're not going to collapse under him like you know, a sand castle or whatever. Okay. <laughs> Painted myself into a corner with this fucked up metaphor. Okay. <laughs>
but then you do need to tell at some point. You know, that is a relevant bit of sexual history. I think somebody needs to know, that people need to know. Right. Um, if they're going to have an intimate bond with somebody, particularly if there's any sort of tripwires. There's a thing a guy can do by accident, thoughtlessly, that's going to take you back to the to the rape. He needs to know to avoid doing exactly that thing. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure now, before two years ago, I wasn't really sure what those things were and what was happening when I had triggers in the past with, you know, this other guy. But now I know what it, you know, kind of what those are. And I've, I've dealt with that, and I know, you know, to warn people. Okay. Well, go for it. Okay. There's lots of hot boys in the Midwest. Every time I come to speak at a college in the Midwest, I am impressed. <laughs> and there's lots of douchebag asshole scumbags here in Seattle that you don't have to fuck or visit or sleep on the couches of. Okay. All I right. try to find boys that are... And I think it's a safety thing, It's too. the locavore movement. You should eat local. I should eat local. What <laughs> applies to salad and radishes also applies to dick and balls. Okay. Hi, Dan. I'm calling with probably a very basic relationship question. Um, but it's the one that I can't ever totally um, come to terms with. I've had several long-term good relationships in my life. Um, and each time I've been very committed to the person. And here I am about to get engaged. And I, I adore the person and I look forward to a long, healthy relationship with them. Um, for the rest of my life. But I'm still that guy. I'm still young enough that when I meet other partners, potential partners at the bar, all I can think about is how badly I want to make out with them. And I think that's healthy enough to at least have that desire to want to make out with these girls that I meet at the bar. That's kind of normal. But what I'm really wondering is, um, am I putting myself in a bad position if the person that I'm with right now doesn't inspire me more to not want to make out with them? Is there some okay level of not wanting to make out with everybody that I meet at the bar that I should look for in my partner? Like, should I wait and find a girlfriend who... I am so obsessed with that it actually helps me turn off that switch in my brain. Because I'm at a point where I want that stable relationship. I, I enjoy all the benefits that I get from that, and I love being able to be a good partner to my girlfriend or potential wife. But it's just frustrating almost when I still go out and I don't just kind of want to make out with these girls who I meet and I sit there and think about a life with them, I really want to make out with them. And it has nothing to do with any efficiencies in my relationship. I, I examine it and I'm very satisfied with our sex life, our emotional life, our spiritual life. I just, I, I wonder if I'm selling myself short and I should try to find someone who keeps me from feeling that way so much. Is, is that just something that I, I grow out of? Or is that something that I should be dealing with in a completely different way? Okay, so you scour the earth, you find the woman who turns you on so completely and thoroughly that you no longer look at other women and want to touch them too, or make out with them too. That no. is never going to happen. Yeah. 
that's probably not really the goal. So Tiger Woods, wife's pretty hot, yeah. banged a lot of hostesses who weren't anywhere near as hot, because part of what Tiger Woods was after was variety. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that actually does have an impact on people's sex lives. People kind of are hardwired, evolutionarily speaking, to desire yeah. a little bit of variety to spread their seed. So the trick for you about being a good person and having the right partner is not to regard your desire to make out with other people as a fault in your partners. Mm-hmm. No, definitely not on her, on her behalf. Well, that's or, what you said. Like, yeah, you need to find a girl who, you know, you, you faulted the girl you're with for not making you want to not make out with other women more. Yeah, well, I think the alcohol is making me think a little too selfishly on that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to accept what all people who make a monogamous commitment or want a monogamous commitment need to accept is that, that you're in love with somebody doesn't mean you don't want to fuck other people. Mm-hmm. It means you refrain from fucking other people out mm-hmm. of consideration for the person you're with and the commitment you've yeah. made. But you're always yeah. going to want to fuck other people. Yeah, it just gets frustrating that switch in my brain fails to to remember how much I, I enjoy the benefits of that of that monogamous relationship. And, you know, the moment that I'm 15 minutes away from my partner, I start thinking, man, maybe I could really just, just dump all of it and start a relationship with this cute girl at the bar. And so that's, you know, I'm... I'm hoping that that's just some maturity. You sound like a lesbian right there. Maybe I could just uh, start a relationship with this cute girl. If you're fantasizing about your life together with this complete stranger who's hot on the outside and maybe made out of toxic sludge on the inside, that's like incipient lesbianism. You better be careful about that. What you you want when you see those strangers in the bar is you want to touch them and taste them and fuck them and... Mm-hmm. La la la! You don't want a life with that person. You don't know anything they about that person. Totally take them as a date to a wedding too. <laughs> oh. But don't mistake your desire yeah. to want to like stick your dick in somebody for a desire to want to form a lifelong bond with that person, as opposed to the person yeah. you've already formed a lifelong, hopefully, bond with. Yeah, I think that's a disconnect. You're think, you're right. inflating your base sexual desires with something grander about love and commitment mm-hmm. as a mm-hmm. way to exonerate yourself. For having base desires, yeah, you just want to fuck them. Yeah, you don't want to marry them. You don't have to wrap yeah. up the desire to fuck in the pretty little package of a lifetime together, because you would just yeah. marry her and then feel the same way when you saw your partner, the person mm-hmm. you're currently with at the bar, uh, you know, yep. a week later. Yeah, you're just a man. You're just it. a dog. You're a fucking man. All right. You want to fuck everything that moves. Yeah, it's just hard to accept that when I'm I'm happy in in a situation, and then there's something in me that so demands me destroy that. Well, that's what porn is for, and <laughs> masturbation <Yeah>. is for. <laughs> that's why you slip away, you know, to the bathroom and rub one out. Yeah, that's so you can focus on your beer again. <laughs> that's great advice, Dan. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense. It's just. But, I I mean, I I took your call and I called you back just because I wanted to say to you and all of the straight guys who feel the way you do, there's nothing wrong with you morally, sexually. What's wrong is if you've made a monogamous commitment and you're violating it. Mm -hmm. That's wrong. Yeah, it's it's not even something that I've followed through on. It's something that I, I just sit there after, you know, after I leave the bar and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking... You know, why do I continue to, to mentally put myself in that in that space where I, I fantasize about because burning you're al- all my bridges? Because you're yeah. alive. 
Yeah. Because there's something about the finality of a choice that, you know, buyer's remorse. Yeah. Right? It applies yeah, to cars so and houses so and, and, and <laughs> mates. applies to mates. Mm-hmm. You know, a long-term relationship is enjoy, joy, joy all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it is moments of complete joy that justify being with this person, and you need to focus on those when you're in a valley mm-hmm. and not feeling so joyful. And you need to regard yeah. with joy. You know, you need to regard with joy your desire to want to fuck all these other women. It means you're alive. It means you have a dick. It means you have genitals that function. It means you have an erotic imagination still. You can beat off about that girl at the bar when you get home to honor your commitment. You can stick it in the person you're with and think about the girl at the bar. That's still honoring your commitment. Just don't tell her that's what you're doing. <laughs> all right? Yeah. Okay. But there's no solution. There's no outside external solution. There's no girl who's so fucking hot that you won't ever think about other women ever again. Yeah. If that, if yeah, that, if that fucking wouldn't. Swedish piece of model couldn't keep Tiger Woods <laughs> off every trampy hostess and every fucking yeah. Denny's in America, Lord, there's nobody out there who'll keep you off, yeah. who'll cure you of your humanity. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. Sh- I hate to think that that's how my call came off. Now that's terrible. Because <laughs> I definitely have have no vision in my head of some other perfect partner who's who's supposed to do all the work for me. I just, you know, like any normal self-hating man, sit there and dwell on how pathetic it is that I keep lusting after somebody else. It's not pathetic. Oh. It's not. <laughs> please stop casting it as some sort of pathology or shortcoming or, or, or failure. It's yeah. how you are designed. It's how you're wired. It's how your nuts work. It's how your reptile brain works and your imagination mm-hmm. works. And if your higher brain says, no, a monogamous commitment brings more good things into my life, makes me feel better about myself, that's what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. then that's great. You're golden. But okay. just that you want to fuck other people does not make you a bad person, does not make the person you're with now deficient in any way. It just mm-hmm. means you are alive. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're not a bad guy. You're okay. a living guy, a live guy, a walking, <laughs> talking, fucking, fantasizing, reptile brain guy, like the rest of us. <laughs> All right, well, I appreciate the, uh, the, um, the advice. You're welcome. Good luck. Thanks, Dan. Bye. Hey, Dan. I am a 26-year-old queer female in New York. And I have the wonderful news of telling you that I have gone from more than two decades of being pre-orgasmic to finally being able to come. Um, The only thing is that to make that happen, I had to accept the fact that I ejaculate. I'm a female ejaculator. This means that um, when I come, I gush. I'm not a squirter. There's no projectile action there. I just low, and it's a lot of liquid. Um, I'm calling because I would love some advice about how to deal with the ejaculating. I don't know how to get myself off now, but there's a whole logistical problem that I now have with a partner, or even by myself. Um, if I lay down a towel, I'm laying down lots of towels underneath me. I am seeping through towels. There's so much liquid there. Um, it's a little overwhelming, actually. I found that if I masturbate and come more often, there tends to be a, a little less liquid there if I hold off for 
some days, a week at a time, um, there's, I don't know, there's, there's kind of, I don't know if it's a built up of desire that makes me come more, if it's the backlog of ejaculate fluid, but um, there's, a, there's a lot. So I'm wondering, Dan, how, how do I make this not a huge burden in my life? Am I just, you know, keeping a towel under my bed and whenever I want to come, I'm using this dirty towel? Am I just having, you know, except there's a, a cleanliness burden and sex is dirty and sex with oneself is dirty and that's just how it happens. And then the other question is, I don't mind talking about this with a partner, but I feel like it's going to start to complicate the uh, the timeline and the flow of of things. Um, you know, I, I practice safe sex and I have accepted in that process that one does have to stop the flow of things to um, deal with making safe sex happen. If I'm with a male partner, I'm going to stop and use a condom, but now do I stop, use a condom, and pull out piles of towels? Like, is that what my life is going to look like? Let, let me know. This question recently came up in Savage Love, the print edition of my advice, Empire. And I made what I thought was a perfectly reasonable suggestion to a woman who was gushing and was a f- sick of soaking the sheets, the the goo soaking through the towels that she laid on the sheets. And I suggested she get a couple of big mattress pads that slide under the bed and then throw down a bunch of towels and fuck on the floor and then jump into bed when they're done and go to sleep in a nice dry bed. Think of it as a dry county. Nice dry sheets. Because too many people are like wedded to the bed that if it's sexual activity, it has to be happening in the bed. And what do I do about my particular sexual issue that makes the sex I have or want to have or the way that I have sex or how I come when I have sex problematic for the bed? Well, get the fuck out of the bed. Sometimes the easiest solution is the most obvious one. I guess you could get a kiddie pool for next to the bed on the floor. Some people had alternate suggestions, you know, mattress pads for bed wetters. Isn't that romantic? Puppy training pads, apparently those are very absorbent and who wouldn't want to get fucked on a puppy training pad? Besides me and everyone who can hear the sound of my voice, I hope. But that wasn't your question. Anyway, I'm just a little walk down memory lane there, recent controversy in the column. Your question is what do you do? You tell your partners that I am a gusher, I am a female ejaculator. You're not such a freak anymore. Everybody's heard now about female ejaculation and about women who gush – you get your own aisle in the porn store practically. So just say, you, lucky you, don't present it as a problem. It's not cancer. It's a Christmas present. Lucky you, all those female gushers out there who everyone's after. You got one. Here I am. Now we're going to lay these towels down on these mattress pads on my floor so that we have a dry bed to cuddle in when it's all over. And then do it. And really, you know, the 20 years that you were having sex without orgasming without achieving orgasm i hope that helps you keep your new problem in perspective wasn't that worse no orgasms versus damp sheets or soaked towels given a choice between the two no orgasms another load of wash every week i would choose the load of wash every week and if you know that keeping yourself well and regularly milked means less of a gush when it comes, then, you know, if you're going to be with a new partner and you want to minimize the gush, rub one out before the date. Rub one out uh, while he's making you dinner or she's making you dinner. Good luck. 
really, you don't have much of a choice but to ride this wave. And thinking back on the 20 years before you could come, I think, and hope that you would be excited to ride this wave. Hi, Dan. I just wanted to comment about uh, episode 199, the woman who has discovered that her, her mother is also kinky. And, um, you know, I really just think about it. I think she should think about it like this. At least she will never have to have that awkward, no, mom, I'm not being abused conversation. Hey, Dan, long-time listener, first-time caller. I always wanted to say that. Now I finally did. I just wanted to follow up on the girl in episode 199 who slept with her good friend, thereby pissing off her coworker and roommate. And just wanted to comment to her, to you, to the savage level listeners of the world, that people need to stop getting pissed off about that shit because other people aren't your property. It's just annoying when people, you know, call dibs on another person because they're not... Don't call him dibs. You can't call dibs. One person. It's not person is not shotgun. You're not calling shotgun. You know, there's been times where a good female friend of mine and I could have hooked up. Uh, we've expressed mutual attraction to one another and did not because uh, she's good friends with my girlfriend, uh, who we broke up like three years ago. So sometimes people just need to chill out. Hey, Dan, just listened to Podcast 202, and I'd like to thank you for the way that you handled um, Adam Carolla. I don't have anything against the guy, and I do think he's really funny, uh, but I can't take him seriously. Listening to his comments on how, um, you know, men cheat just because they're horny and women cheat to send a message or for ulterior motives really annoyed me because it's the same old, like, arrogant, straight guy generalizations on men and women that I've heard my whole life from everyone from my father to my straight male friends and... um, just kind of old. <laughs> it gets old. Um, I've been on both sides of the cheating spectrum, and I can say that men are fully capable of cheating for emotional reasons, uh, reasons other than just being horny. And I can say that women are capable of cheating just because they want to try out a different dick for a night. Um, anyway, just had to throw in my two cents, and uh, love your show. Keep on doing what you're doing. I think you're helping a lot of people take their heads out of their asses, and that is fucking awesome. And we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much for your comments and your calls. 206-201-2720 is the number here. If you'd like to record a question or comment for a future show, 206-201-2720. You download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com where you can read the Savage Love Letter of the Day. Better still, you can get the Savage Love Letter of the Day delivered directly to your phone by going to the iTunes store and purchasing the Savage Love app, also known as the Slap Makes a wonderful gift. Give someone the slap. And you read me every week in alternative weekly newspapers across the United States and Canada, including The Onion in Madison, Wisconsin, and on The Onion's website. The number again, 206-201-2720. Me and the tech savvy at risk youth. We'll be back at you next week. Another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.